Good morning, Tejas. Welcome to your premier alternative news solution. I am Jake Ramirez, and I will be bringing you daily news Monday through Friday. I'm hoping to curate news for Texans by a born and raised Texan. Today is Monday, December 9th. I hope everybody had a great weekend. And again, thank you all for all the listens this weekend. It's very, very kind of you to be sending me messages. I really, truly appreciate that. This podcast is going to be ever evolving and expect more and more and more as, as time goes on. Now, before we begin, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button so we can keep you up to date on all your daily news. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for even more updates and news. Today in Texas history. On this day in 1716, Martin del Arcon was appointed Spanish governor of Texas. Alarcon, through governor for just three short years, played a pivotal role in Texas history. In the spring of 1718, he led settlers across the Rio Grande and assisted with the founding of the San Antonio del Valero Mission and San Antonio del Bexar Presidio. The accompanying families formed the beginnings of the settlement, thus Alarcon is credited as the founder of San Antonio. Most important town in Spanish, Texas, and the eye of the storm for the Texas Revolution. You might know a little place called the Alamo. As part of his official duties, Alarcon also inspected the East Texas mission and was constantly vigilant against the widespread French contraband trade, advising the explorer and trader Jean-Baptiste Bernard de la Harpe to leave Spanish territory. Alarcon was relieved of his duties in the fall of 1719 due to some political issues. Now it's time for some Texas news. A Texas man who police said had a history of violence, was arrested on Friday night for allegedly punching his girlfriend multiple times and carving his name into her forehead. Yep, he carved his name into her forehead. He was going to put me in a closet until he figured out what he was going to do with my body, the girlfriend said. Um, The police say he grabbed her by the neck and punched her about 10 times. Then he grabbed a knife and carved his name onto her forehead. I'm leaving the apartment before the police arrived. Now, I get made fun of my name a lot. People think my name's Jacob. It's not. It's just Jake. This guy's name is Jacob Hildreth, and he was 19. And he was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And I'm just really glad my name's not Jacob. Jeez. I like Jake. I don't like Jacob. And I definitely don't like Jacob. House Democrats on Friday passed a sweeping overhaul of the Voting Rights Act aimed at combating voter suppression efforts in states including Texas. As the state prepares for what could be the most consequential election in decades, Democrats cited a slew of efforts by Texas officials including requiring government-issued identification to vote, purging voter rolls, and pursuing criminal charges against voters with errors on registration forms. The bill would once again require states and local jurisdictions with a history of discrimination to get pre-approval from the federal government to pass new voting laws or make changes to the election process, essentially reversing the 2013 Supreme Court ruling that got rid of what's called the pre-clearance. All I want to know is, if I make a mistake... Will I go to jail? Because it kind of sounds like that. The criminal charges for errors on registration forms seems a bit harsh. I understand where they're going with this. Um, we've had a lot of things happening with voting in the last few years. 
So I get what they're doing. This is a good process for us. I really don't think voting makes all that much of a difference, but that's just a personal opinion. But look out for uh, these new voting laws and make sure you bring your ID when you go to vote. A sheriff's deputy was arrested after police say he was performing unlawful strip searches on at least six women in 11 days. Floyd Berry, 49, was recently placed on administrative duty after several people came forward with complaints about the 18-year Bexar County Sheriff's Office veteran. Officials launched an investigation and say they discovered that Barry had unlawfully strip-searched six women while on patrol in the southern portion of the county between November 24th and December 4th. Barry, who was part of the, the patrol division of the Law Enforcement Bureau, was arrested on Saturday and charged with three misdemeanor accounts of official oppression. He was only placed on administrative leave and served with a proposed determination. Police are asking anyone, anybody with f- further information on Barry's alleged actions to contact Bexar County Sheriff's Office Public Integrity Unit at 210-335-5100. One O, or bcsotips at bexer.org. This is an incredible, incredible abuse of power. Now, I find it hard that this; these are the only reported um, acts of the strip search in the 18-year uh, veteran. It, his whole career is 18 years long, and these are the only ones. I doubt that that's the case. Um. Imagine how many strip searches he's done in those 18 years. Now, for a lot of people, they believe that those strip searches are legal. Technically, they are. But you have to have evidence that would suggest that you need that. I.e., you would have to have, he would have to have a, a reason, reason to do it. So he'd have to either smell drugs, seem like there's drugs, find guns, there have to be a search of the vehicle to warrant a, a search of you. A strip search on the side of the road is very, very rare. So if you get pulled over by a cop and he asks you to do a strip search, you should probably call another cop. Because <laughs> I don't think that it's, it's one of those things that maybe this guy got away with it in those 18 years that he was a, a sheriff. But now we live in a new age where we can contact and record everything. So be safe out there. Just goes to show that even though these people are law enforcement they can have um the wrong wrong intentions and hopefully he is fired and not just left on administrative duty for too long texas rapid economic growth is reaching its limits what should we do we should stop letting everybody from california in just kidding i love california but we texans have more than earned our bragging rights when it comes to our state's economy if texas was a country it'd have 1.7 trillion economy It would be the 10th largest in the world, which is why I keep saying, let's secede. It's time for a Texit. All jokes aside, our statewide unemployment rate is just 3.4%. That's the lowest it's been since tracking began. Texas has been ranked the best state for business 15 years running, which is why I can circle back to Schwab moving to Texas. And you'll see a lot of these companies from California moving to Texas because makes more sense economically. It makes more sense for a lot, a lot of people from California to move here too. Even when I lived in Austin 15 years ago, most of the people that I met were from California because we all know Austin's expensive. 
but it's a lot cheaper to them from living in California. So expect more of a boom and a more of an economic growth in Texas. Um, this was cool to see because I like seeing stuff about Texas being the best because Texas forever. Yolanda Waters, the chairwoman for Galveston County Republic Party, is facing pressure from Governor Greg Abbott, Land Commissioner George P. Bush, and James Dickey, the state party chairman. They are urging her to step down after text messages showing her using racial slurs towards African-Americans. This is the latest example of the statewide Republicans moving quickly to denounce racism in their own ranks. And let's face it, this needs to happen and needs to continually happen. This is the kind of progress Texas and the United States needs. We can't just let people go around um, acting out this racist behavior. Although Yolanda is said to be saddened and hurt that she believes anybody thinks that she's a racist, even though she's from she's a Latina African-American descent. The text messages do prove otherwise. So I really like seeing these. You're going to hear me report on these a lot because these are the things that, that need to happen. I'm glad it's coming from the Republicans and not just the Democrats. And it needs to come from people to people every day. We can't let racism live. Otherwise, we'll never progress as a society. Now it's time for some huckum, chuckum, football news. The 2019 Texas College Football Bowl matchups have been revealed. Four, count them, four football teams in the state of Texas qualified for a bowl game in 2019. The number seven Baylor Bears, of course. They'll be play, playing the number five Georgia uh, Bulldogs at the Sugar Bowl on January 1st, 2020 in the Superdome in New Orleans. The SMU Mustangs will be playing the FAU They'll play on the 21st in the FEU Stadium for the Boca Raton Bowl in Boca Raton, Florida. The Super Sad Texas Longhorns will be playing the number 11 Utah on uh, December 31st in the Alamo Dome for the Alamo Bowl. And last but not least, Texas A&M will be playing the number 25 Oklahoma State Sooners for the Texas Bowl on December 27th at NRG Stadium in Houston. That's the game I'm most excited to watch. That's going to be a really good game. And bowl games are cool and all, but let's face it, it's not as exciting as yesterday's NFL games. And when I say exciting, I mean it. There was a ton of great games played yesterday. Um, so let's break down some of those games. I do want to remind you that most of these games had huge playoff uh, implications. There's a lot going on in the playoffs. There's a lot of teams that are barely scraping by, and there's some teams that got to win those seeds. First off, all held the AFC West champs. Kansas City corner Bashad Breland bopped the ball away from Julian Edelman in the end zone on fourth down with just over a minute remaining to thwart the Patriots' late comeback bid. Inning the New England's 21-game home win streak, clinching the AFC West division title. The Chiefs had a tw- had 23 unanswered points in the middle of the game. And uh, they did a, a good job keeping the... The Patriots kind of playing catch-up. Now, some of you are going to say the New England Patriots were kind of burned twice by the officiating that cost two potential touchdowns late. I'm just going to call it karma. Chiefs 23, Patriots 16. A matchup between the two 10-2 NFC heavyweights lived up to the billing with a massive blow struck by each side and fireworks exploding at every turn. Both offenses were on fire. Basically seemed to just score when they wanted. Both Garoppolo and Breeze played amazing games with a total of 10 touchdown passes and a total of 12 touchdowns. 
Now, if you want to see an exciting game, that was the game to watch. Even the highlights are really fun to watch. Um, it was explosive, intense. It was an it's kind of like a, a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in January. I feel. I mean, it had immense playoff influence for the seeding. This was a game to watch Sunday. Well, there was multiple games to watch, but this game was just one of those really exciting games. Uh, the 49ers moved to 11-2. and two. Uh, They took the lead in the NFC West. 49ers 48, Saints 46. They almost scored 49 points. That would have been insane. The Ravens are navigating the teeth of their schedule, and now they have a playoff berth to show for it. The Ravens have beat the Patriots, the Texans, the Rams, the 49ers, and the Bills since their bye week. And they've won nine games in a row. The Ravens have shown that they can navigate just about any style of game and come out victorious. Buffalo did do an admirable job of bottling up the Ravens' big play offense most of the game, but you can't shut them down for 60 minutes. That's too tall a task for even the best defense. Ravens 24, Bills 17. The Broncos are officially the team you don't want to face in December. The Broncos at 5-8 and eight have not even come close to giving up on the season, and they seem to just be getting better and better at each game. They may finish this season 8-8. Eight and eight. The Texans, on the other hand, <laughs> it's hard to take them seriously as a Super Bowl contender. With a performance like this, the game was 31-3 at one point. I couldn't believe it. Any chance for a bye ended yesterday. The Texans now have to worry about the Titans stealing the AFC South. Broncos 38, Texans 24. When I saw the Jets were playing the Dolphins, I thought, snooze fest. Boy, was I wrong. What a heck of a game. I mean, <clears throat> I was surprised. I mean, December, you can never really tell what these teams are going to do. Most of the time, you think, oh, these teams are just going to give up. They're going to try and get the best position they can for the draft. Sometimes they get a little wacky. But this was a surprising slugfest of a game. I mean, the Jets pulled out the win, but it was close. Jets 22, Dolphins 21. Matt LaFleur is the first coach in the storied Green Bay history to win at least 10 games in the first season with the Packers. The NFC's had some powerhouse teams, and the Packers are at the top of that list. Some may say they took it easy on the Redskins. I think they were kind of trying to save some bodies for the playoffs. They've been banged up this year, but the Packers pulled out a solid win. Packers 20, Redskins 15. Now, if you polled the average Browns fan on what their greatest complaints about their team was this season, it'd probably be about the, the amount of Baker Mayfield commercials. It's likely you're going to hear issues about the run pass distribution, but you see a Baker Mayfield commercial literally every commercial. I think that's taken a huge effect on him. Luckily, they were able to pull out a win against the surprisingly competitive Bengals. Uh, Browns 27, Bengals 19. All aboard the Jameis Winston roller coaster ride. For all of the action adventure movies that every Winston outing seems to be, Sunday was one to remember. Winston threw the first of his three interceptions on the first pass, sustained, sustained a small fracture in his hand that saw him miss the next series before coming back and ending the game with a career high 456 yards and four touchdowns including the game-winning 12-yard throw. And just like that, the Bucks are 6-7, and seven, beating a pretty darn good Colts team against <sighs> a really, really solid Colts team. It was a high-scoring game, too. 
this was a really close game. This was another one of those buzzer beaters and one of those games that was just super fun to watch. The Bucks pulled it out 38, Colts 35. Hey, y'all. The Falcons won a game. They scored 40 points, too. They scored it on one of the worst teams in the league in the Carolina Panthers. They were able to keep the Panthers star running back McCaffrey to just 53 yards. But in the first game of the post-Ron Rivera era, Perry Fellow didn't do too well. And I knew this was going to be a mistake. The team seemed really lost. They were able to score a few points, but they did not seem like a well-put-together NFL team going into this game anyway. Uh, Falcons 40, Panthers 20. Short rest? No problem. The Vikings bounced back after their devastating Monday night football loss to the Seahawks, blowing out the Lions at home. It was kind of an unfair game, but (laughs) even the Vikings mascot, Victor, whipped off his mustache in the celebration, and it was kind of a sack party for the, the Vikings. I mean, they had five sacks. Lions couldn't really do anything. Vikings 20, Lions 7. Remember at the beginning of the season when everybody was calling Gardner Minshew the next Baker Mayfield? I do, and I also remember saying, I don't know if you want to call him a mediocre quarterback to start his career with. Nonetheless, here we are. The Jags stunk it up pretty bad. Um, Not to mention, (laughs) they really leaned on Gardner, and he could not take it. But Phillip Rivers could. Phillip Rivers did what Phillip Rivers does, and he... He threw a lot of passes for a lot of yards. He scored a lot of touchdowns. The Chargers 45, the Jaguars 10. Man, oh man, the Steelers surging defense brought the heat on this one. One of the better defensive teams in the league, Pittsburgh largely rendered Arizona ineffective, limiting them to just 265 total yards for the whole game. I feel like the Steelers have a whole new offense. And the, the shining parts of this offense is Delvin Hodges and Deontay Johnson, who are some solid new players. I mean, the Cardinals are no easy team to beat. Steelers won, 23, Cardinals 17. Now for some sad football news, the Titans versus the Raiders. This game had serious, serious playoff implications for both teams, which basically which, which, which means whichever team won was going to have the best chance of getting into the playoffs. And the game started off, it started off fast. It was a back-and-forth shootout like a lot of these other games today. I mean, at the half, it was 21-21. to Second half, not so much. It was pretty much just a blowout. The Raiders had kind of an untimely turnover. Darren Waller fumbled the ball. Titans took it in for a touchdown. And it was kind of downhill from the rest of the, for the rest of the game. Now, the Titans have a real shot at winning the AFC South now with, with the Texans losing. This was a great game for them. They're not the best team. I'll give you that. I know a lot of people are saying that they don't have a chance. They play tough. They play hard. And they're not going down without a fight. Tannehill had a great game. I think Tannehill is probably one of the best stories in the NFL right now. Great win for the Titans. Titans 42, Raiders 21. Now another sad story. The Seahawks had a rough game. The Rams wanted to make a statement. The statement was that they they can hold their own against any team in the league. The Rams' defense did a great job of keeping the Seahawks pressing for yards. The Rams' offense said, hold my beer. Although it wasn't that fun of a game to watch, it was a perfect example of not to get too relaxed in December. Rams 28, Seahawks 12. 
Now we have another uh, game with playoff implications going on tonight, especially considering that the Cowboys aren't doing so hot right now. The Eagles face off against the Giants with a returning Eli Manning. This is going to be a good game. The Giants don't have a great record, but they have Eli Manning. I think he's going to play this game to prove that he can still play in the NFL. I expect it to be kind of a high-scoring game, to be honest with you. Both of these teams are going to want to play. One for pride, one for playoffs. It's going to be an interesting game, especially for the Cowboys. Um, I, ex- I expect a really solid, fun game. Now it's time for a good old Texas tradition. Here's today's weather report. Now don't panic, but parts of North Texas could see some snow this week. After a stunning December weekend of warmth, big changes are on the way. Finally. Could we see snow or sleet early Tuesday morning across parts of North Texas? Yes. Is it time to panic? Is it time to rush to the grocery store and swipe all the bread, all the milk, all the toilet paper? All the adult beverages? Nah, not really. But let's talk about what's going on. Now, after a stunning December weekend of warmth, also known as the SDWW, a strong cold front moves in late tonight, early tomorrow. What's going to happen is it's going to, temperature is going to drop real fast. It's going to be some light rain, some drizzle, which means that it's a perfect opportunity for a little bit of sleet. Fingers crossed, a little bit of snow if you like snow. I love snow. We don't get it that much here in the south. Dallas up there gets away more than us. But they may see it. So uh, be ready. Get all the booze you can. Now let's break down some weather for the rest of the day. Um, Houston, they say it gets hot before it gets cold. And Today in Houston, it's going to show with a high of 81 and a low of 52. San Antonio is going to have a high of 78 and a low of 46. Dallas, you're going to have a high of 73 and a low of 36. Told you. Austin's going to be partly cloudy with a high of 83 and a low of 45. I expect a decent amount of rain for El Paso today with a high of 51 and a low of 41. Brownsville will have a, a high of 80 and a low of 70. Victoria's going to have some a whopping high of 81 and a low of 47. Now I have a new addition to the weather report today from Palacios, Texas. I went to school there, got a couple people listening from Palacios, really happy about that, so I'm going to add them to the weather report. Um, Today's going to be partly cloudy in Palacios, high of 76, low of 52. Now, it's going to be a little bit warm today, but guess what? The rest of the week's going to be pretty cold. We'll break down some more of the weather coming this week and next week. Um, if you if I've missed any region of, of Texas that you were in and you want me to add you to my weather report, message me on Facebook. I'll be glad to add it to my weather report. Like I said, I really want to have a long list of for my weather report. So just send me a message. And uh, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Again, I can't say that enough. I saw my listens and my, my viewership or my listening ship grow a lot this weekend, and I really do appreciate that. So. Let's keep this going. Um, I'll see you to, or you'll hear me tomorrow. Um, until then, have a great day, Texas.